Welcome to this episode of Focus Points. This is a series intended to help us as a church better understand our Bible as we read through the Bible together this year. We're going to look at one book of the Bible each episode and try to answer one basic question. What do I need to know in order to get more out of reading this book? So, let's get started. All right, today we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the climax of the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. But it's the climax not just because it's the end. Okay, it's absolutely amazing when you start to realize what the book says, how it says it, and what it means for the rest of the Old Testament. So you have all this introduction to the Bible from Genesis to Deuteronomy, and the things that Deuteronomy teaches about God and his relationship with Israel is going to change the way you read Joshua through Malachi, because the more you understand Deuteronomy, the more you're going to understand the rest of the Old Testament. So what do we need to know in order to read the book of Deuteronomy and understand it better? Well, before we get to exactly answering that question, I want to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail to talk about a, the Hittites' suzerain vassal treaties, or higher king, lower king treaties that they would make. And stay with me here, because this will change, this will affect Deuteronomy in just a minute. We have many, many of these Hittite documents where a higher king would come into an agreement with a lower king, and there would be certain um, expectations that the lower king would have to fulfill, and there would be blessings and curses that would come from the higher king depending on the lower king's or the vassal's um, obedience and adherence to those stipulations. And these Hittite treaties are much different from the other treaties of nations that were around at that time. For instance, the Assyrians had similar treaties where the higher king would make an agreement with the lower king. But the Assyrians were very cruel people, very calculated people. And in their treaties, the higher king would basically consider the lower king dust and dirt and rubbish and trash. All right, it was not a very kind document to read. In the Hittite treaties, there was a much different tone where the higher king would look down on the lesser king and would consider him more like a little brother or like even a son. And so there was a more family-type tone, still pretty rough at times when it came to the curses, uh, but it would be more of that relationship. Also, the Hittite treaties were a little bit different in how they would come about. Oftentimes, the lesser kings would appeal to the higher king uh, because they had uh, been delivered by the higher king. The higher king had already stepped in and maybe taken care of an enemy or protected the city of the lesser king. And so, out of gratitude for deliverance, the Hittite's lesser king would make this covenant with the higher king that would become this treaty. Now, why is this important for the book of Deuteronomy? Because when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, whether you realize it or not, or you know all the facts about these treaties, Deuteronomy is set up very similar to a Hittite suzerain vassal or higher king, lower king treaty. Which means when God inspired Moses to record this book, he chose to record it in a form that the Israelites would recognize and would realize the significance of. So what is the significance that we need to understand when we come to the book of Deuteronomy? Well, first, God chose to describe his covenantal relationship with Israel 
in a way that emphasized the family-like and caring relationship. Remember, the Hittites would view it as a father to a son or as an older brother to a younger brother, that type of relationship within this covenant. And God says, that's the tone for this book of the law that I want to have. It's very relational. Second, it shows us that God has a purpose in both what he is saying, where he is also saying it in the book of Deuteronomy. So you don't need to understand, okay, what are the seven parts of a Hittite treaty, but just realize this second giving of the law is not just the ramblings of Moses. It's not God saying, oh yeah, I forgot what I was going to tell you back in Leviticus. No, it is thoughtful and it is very purposeful. Third, God uses variances from the Hittite treaties to emphasize his very special relationship with Israel. So he uses this Hittite form, but then there are points where he doesn't use it. And when he doesn't use it, it's to make a very important point. You say, so how is it different? First of all, Deuteronomy is much longer and much more detailed than any of the uh, treaties of its day meaning God took greater care in how he was outlining his relationship to his people than any earthly king ever took uh, during that time. Second, God emphasizes through, these change, through the changes and the variance from a Hittite tree, he emphasizes the heart of Israel and his desire that they love him. For instance, in Deuteronomy 28, God places the blessings before the curses. Now this did not happen in Hittite treaties. The Hittites, it was, we're going to curse you if you disobey, but if you disobey, there might be some good benefits that come. When God comes to the end, he tries to emphasize the positive nature of obedience rather than the consequences of disobedience. Why is that? Because God wants the heart of Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That's what God wants to focus on. So you might not care about what the Hittite treaties were like, but just realize that in the structure of Deuteronomy, God is trying to emphasize this close and personal and loving relationship that he wants to have with the nation and that he wants the nation to reciprocate back to him. He wants them to have joy because they are following his perfect plan. So we get to the theme or the message of the book of Deuteronomy, and I would summarize it like this. God expects his people to respond with loving obedience to who he is and what he's done. God expects his people to respond with loving obedience to who he is and what he has done. So what are some of the sub-themes that we can kind of see as we go through this book and that will help us to connect the various parts to this overall theme? Well, the first one is this, who is God? God is revealed in this book in amazing ways, and we could go through a whole list of attributes of God, but here's just a few of them. He's great. You see him constantly talked about as being the creator, the creator of man, the one who owns, the one who controls. He controls the weather. He has power over nations and individuals. He is a great God. Because he's a great God, number two, he's unique. There is no one who is like him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. He's one God. Chapter 32, verse 39, there is no other God like him. 
Number three, he's a loving God. Uh, we see that Deuteronomy 7, 7, he, God did not set his love upon you, but verse 8, but because the Lord loved you. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, uh, the King James t- says uh, God. he's a God of truth. But that word for truth, it really has the idea of reliability or faithfulness. That's why modern translations say the God of faithfulness. Uh, number five, he's a jealous God. Three times he warns Moses, I am a jealous God, so make sure the people are obeying me. God does not tolerate Israel giving their love or devotion to anything else but himself. He must be the center of their love. You say, well, isn't that a little bit selfish? Not when you're the all-powerful, almighty creator God. That isn't selfish. That is right. God is jealous. God is also a God of wrath. And that's connected to his jealousness and his holiness. And the thing that he is most angry about in the book of Deuteronomy, yes, he's angry over sin, generally, but it is idolatry. Idolatry is what God will not tolerate in his people. And so in the other abundance of other laws, God is most concerned about being Israel's God. If Israel sets her sight on God, yes, they will stumble at times, but as long as he is the one they are trying to follow, God can work, and God will help them to obey in the rest of things. So read, read Deuteronomy to see who is God. Second, read Deuteronomy to see what God has done. How, what has he done? Well, he's revealed himself. He's always talking to his people. They don't have to guess what he wants because he's telling them what he wants. He's a God who has made a covenant. He has vowed that they are his special people. He's connecting those covenants he made with Abraham and the patriarchs, and he is now saying, now this book, the entire book of Deuteronomy, this is my covenant with you, Israel. I will do these things in response to your obedience or your disobedience. He's the deliverer. That is the key act of God in Deuteronomy. You obey, I'm the one who has brought you and redeemed you out of bondage from the land of slavery. You could add others, like he's the God who chooses, he's the God who blesses, he's the God who judges. But when you read through Deuteronomy, look for what God has done. And then third, as you read through Deuteronomy, look for how Israel must respond. That first response Fear God. In other words, the people needed to understand who God was and have a reverence toward him, but also an outright terror in in disobeying him. They needed to look at God and realize these weren't idle threats. These were actual consequences that they would come, and they must fear him and keep his commandments. And as they fear him, they do not need to fear anyone around them. As they obey God, there is nothing that the nations can do to touch them, so they do not need to fear. Fear God, first response. Worship God. And all these these commands about worshiping, okay, don't worship like the Canaanites did, but worship the way I want to. And you look at how God wants his people to worship, especially in the description of all these feasts, And the worship of God was supposed to be a joyful thing. He's like, worship me this way. Worship me with great joy. That's how you respond to who I am and what I've done. You joyfully rejoice in me and you worship me. And that all flows into this third action of love. Israel must respond by loving God. 
it's not just an outside thing. It is very much a heart issue in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6.5, they're supposed to love God. Uh, Deuteronomy 10.19 says later, they're supposed to show love and kindness even to the strangers, the foreigners who come to live in their land. Love. And then, of course, serve and obey. Okay, you love the Lord, you worship the Lord. Now go out every day of your life, Israel, and follow these commandments. And if you do these things, Deuteronomy 27 through 28 says, if you do these things, there will be great blessings. But if you don't do these things, Israel, there are going to be great curses. And if you want to have a better understanding of the rest of Israel's history, pay very close attention to Deuteronomy 27 and 28. It is unfortunate that more of the curses are mentioned in the later books of the Bible than the blessings, because Israel does not stay faithful to her God. And some of those curses are horrible, but the Bible records them coming to pass. One of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 is that God will send enemies to invade Israel, and there will come a time when the cities are being under, are under siege, and the situation will get so desperate that a loving mother will take her infant and will eat it. Eat their own child. You say, how could that happen? How could something that bad happen? Well, it did because Israel disobeyed God. You could jump ahead right now and read Second Kings, the end of Second Kings chapter 6, where a woman cries out to Jehoram while he's on the wall and the Syrians are besieging, and she's asking him to do justice because they, she had made a pact with another woman that one night they'd eat her child, the next night they'd eat the other child, and you just fall into tears. Israel, you could have obeyed. You could have done what was right. You could have been blessed. But you disobeyed, and curses came. Pay attention to those last two chapters, because they're going to change the way you read the rest of the Old Testament. So as you read, ask yourself some of these questions. How does this passage reveal the character of God? How does this passage reveal the work or what God has done? How does this passage show Israel how to lovingly respond to God? And I pray that you will be blessed as you read the book of Deuteronomy this year.